Hello and welcome to Lion Shares Ministry. All right, guys. Book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. We'll be looking at what Jesus had to say to the church of Ephesus. Fascinating stuff. Written to the book, uh, written in this book to Ephesus. And uh, let's get into it. Revelation 2, 1 through 7. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you have found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I have also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear. That what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcome, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is paradise of God. Let us just start. Let us just start here. If you're listening to this, you probably know me. Maybe you don't. But verse 4, chapter 2, this entire thing's about that. This entire thing's about that. And in today's world, chapter 2, verse 4, that is what this entire world is failing. This is what everyone is... It says this, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Right there. That right there. Jesus is telling a church of Ephesus... That they have left their first love. What do you think that first love was? What do you think that first love is? As you read that. It's him. See the church of Ephesus. Was a church that. Was doing. Everything correct. Religiously. And I don't mean. I don't mean religiously in the sense that. uh, No I do. I do mean it. I, I do mean religiously because a relationship with Jesus is relational and it's not plastic and it's not religious. It is really true interacting. And verse 4 says that this church is failing at remembering their first love. That they have left their first love. And their first love was Jesus. That church started when they believed in Jesus. And this is written to the angel of the church of Ephesus. That is the pastor of this church. And Jesus is directly telling this pastor that he or she has left their first love, which is Christ. But here we see Jesus do this nice sandwich, right? It's, what are they doing right? 
<laughs> what are they doing right? We go back up. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and that you cannot endure evil men. You put them to the test, those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you have found them to be false. They are working. Okay, their church is working very religiously. They are looking at all the apostles who call themselves followers of Christ, and they are putting them to test. They are enduring. They are not growing weary. They are persevering. But here's the thing. It's not about the work. It's about the heart. Ephesus had a heart condition, and I believe that uh, many people today have also the same heart condition. It's really cool for us to be able to put Christianity on any and everything. It's really cool for us to say we're Christians on any internet, social media things. It's cool to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But being a Christian is very, very religious. Being a follower of Christ or a disciple of Christ, that is not religious. That is a relationship. We read in Matthew seven twenty two through 23, and you probably know it. Many will say to me on this day, and this is Jesus speaking, many will say to me on the, that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus is here speaking. And what he is telling is that many on the day when he comes back, many on the day that when they go and they see Jesus face to face, many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, do not cast out demons. And in your name, do we not perform many miracles? Those are three things. Those are three works. Those are three things as we see Ephesus is doing. Jesus even said that they know the deeds and the toils. That they are going and putting men and they're saying, if you're an apostle, they're putting them to the test. They're seeing if they're false or not false. They are prophesying. They are casting out demons. They are performing miracles. But Jesus then says, I never knew you. Depart from me. They were saying all these things in their name, meaning they were using his name simply as a way to do their mission, to do what they felt to do. And it's a very organic thing when you allow the work that you're doing become greater than the relationship you're having. See, works-based Christianity is not Jesus-based Christianity. Works-based Christianity is you are using Jesus to get your foot in the door to allow you to do something to make yourself feel better. Instead of having the attitude that you're doing this something so you have an opportunity to share Jesus with someone. Do you see the perspective issue here? The perspective issue that that this is totally having is that if your perspective on whatever it is you're doing isn't to have share Jesus, but instead your perspective is to get ahead or to have alternative motives, 
then you are in the same boat of Ephesus. You have left your first love. Your first love was the fact that he got to know you and you repented of your sin and he gave you salvation. And when you lose sight of that and don't want to share that or put that forward, then you're failing. But here's the cool thing. Jesus always has hope. Jesus is our life preserver. And he has it here. He says, right after four, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, and repent and do the deeds you did first. And let's stop there. It's remember, repent, redo. We have to remember where we have fallen. We have to remember our salvation story. We have to remember what God has brought us out of. Because when we lose sight of what he has got us out of, we fall back into another pit. Then we must repent that we lost sight of it. We repent that all that he has given us, that he gave his life for us to even have salvation. And then we have to redo. That doesn't mean we stop doing the ministry that we're called to do or stop doing whatever it is. If it's a small group, if it's a Bible study, if it's church, if it's whatever it is you're doing, it isn't stopping doing that. It's re-evaluating your perspective on it. See, it wasn't the work that that uh, if Ephesus was failing at. They were actually succeeding at all the works, but their perspective was for them to get bigger and better, not for Jesus to transform lives. James 2.21 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. What James is saying here is that Abraham didn't just theoretically think, I'm going to offer my son up. He didn't have that passing memory. He put his son upon that stone and pulled his knife out. And he was going to sacrifice because that is what God called him to do. And it was that that then God offered up a ram and said, no, do the ram and we'll spare your son. And it was because of that that he was a friend of God. And it was that action because of the amount of faith and belief he had in God. See, his heart was to please God. His heart was after God. And he was willing to go to the extent of killing his son, which is completely foreshadowing what God did for us. And that is what Revelations is saying. And that is what James is saying, is that our works have to be backed with the same amount of fervor as Abraham and God had when they offered their son. See, 
we have to repent when our attitudes and our perspectives are flawed by the fact that we want to get something out of it and not just having Jesus be the sole purpose, the sole thing. And that's really what all book revelation is about. It's about getting back to Jesus. Jesus is telling all of us that we have to get back to him. He is it. That whole Avengers endgame, right? They said the endgame. How are they going to get rid of Thanos? I'm telling you that Jesus is our endgame. That's it. We all get back to square one. We all get back to normal. Everything works out if we can get back to Jesus. Because he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And finally, uh, Revelation 2, 7. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He who has an ear, let him hear. That is exactly what Jesus always said after he prophesied or said things in the Gospels. And it says, to him who overcomes, that's overcomes this world, overcomes this life overcomes the fact that we are constantly going to be given all these things to distract us. And if we can overcome those things and keep our eyes on Jesus, we will be granted to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, which is heaven. Here we're seeing that Jesus is promising us salvation, promising us time spent with him in heaven. But it's for us to repent, remember, repent, redo. We have to remember what it is he brought us out of. We have to repent of those sins, repent of those things that are getting in our way, repenting of those things that are blocking our view. We have to overcome them. We have to get over them. And then we need to redo Meaning get back to Jesus, get back to the church, get back to ministering. And in my life right now, that is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to reteach myself how to function as a Christian, to function in a way that he is first. And it's not my job that is very demanding. It's not... My wife and kids who need and deserve my attention. But having him in my forethought on how I act and respond in everyday situations. And I believe that that is how we overcome this world. And that is how we overcome our life and our troubles. Maybe right now you're... You have a huge trouble. You have a huge problem. And I'm just going to let you know that Jesus is Jesus is God and he is the God that overcomes. And you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. 
That doesn't mean you put your eyes on Jesus. That doesn't mean you dart your eyes to Jesus. It means you fix your eyes. That is, you put them on him and you do not lose sight of it. And you respond in the way that he has asked you to respond. The church of Ephesus, they did everything right. They persevered. That Jesus knew their deeds. They couldn't endure evil men. They couldn't stand evil men. They put to test those who called themselves apostles. They did not grow weary. But in the midst of all the things they were doing, they lost sight of their relationship with Jesus. Remember, repent, redo. Thank you for listening. God bless. Bye.